my best friends and happy Halloween. Uh, my name's Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we will be discussing our favorite Goosebumps novel by R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein shaped literally, if you were born early 2000s to anywhere from like the 90s, like you read Goosebumps as yeah. a child. It shaped who we are as people. They're probably the biggest reason for like your nightmares. Yes, definitely. I remember like like actually being so afraid I'd have to put the book down and like go do something else for a while oh, yeah. come back to it. Mine is Welcome to Camp Nightmare. It is the reason I had so many anxieties about actually going to summer camp. <laughs> and Caitlin chose Night of the Living Dummy. Yes. Which I think is like probably one of the most well-known Goosebumps oh, books. Oh yeah, it was a pretty popular one. And um, I'll explain how it influenced my childhood a little bit more when I <laughs> <laughs> um, so we actually found a very handy dandy Goosebumps wiki page. So we're not going to read the book to you, obviously, but we are going to read just like a pretty quick synopsis of each one and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So, so we'll shout start out with to the Goosebumps wiki. That's yeah, Goosebumps wiki, you are out here saving lives. I love <laughs> fandom pages. Same. So we'll start with Welcome to Camp Nightmare. And so the back of the book blurb is the food isn't great, the counselors are a little strange, and the camp director, Uncle Al, seems sort of demented. Okay, so Billy can handle all that, but then his fellow campers start to disappear. What's going on? Why won't his parents answer his letters? What's lurking out there after dark? Camp Nightmoon is turning into Camp Nightmare, for real, and Billy might be next. Oh, uh, so Billy is traveling on a bus to Camp Nightmoon. During the bus ride, Billy meets three fellow campers, Mike, Jay, and Colin. Billy also meets two members of the girls' camp, Don and Dory. When the bus stops, the driver ushers all the kids off. Since none of the kids know where they are, Billy tries to ask the bus driver, but the driver speeds away. The kids see a group of wolf-like creatures standing upright. And when the creatures try to attack, they are stopped by a man, later revealed to be the camp leader, Uncle Al, armed with a strange rifle. A second bus comes by and picks up the campers. The girls are dropped off at the girls' camp, and the boys are taken to the boys' camp. Mike, Jay, Colin, and Billy are assigned to bunk four, and the four boys meet their bunk counselor, Larry. When Larry leaves the bunk, the four boys find snakes lying in one of the beds, and one of the snakes bites Mike's hand. Mike goes in search of the nurse, and the other boys remove the snakes from the cabin. Mike and Larry eventually return, and apparently the camp has no nurses. Very safe. My worst nightmare. The boys go to the campfire, and they are given food to eat. Uncle Al warns the kids not to be outside after curfew, and he instructs them to stay away from the forbidden bunk, a boarded-up bunk at the camp. Later, the five boys head back to their bunk. Mike's hand continues to hurt because of the bite and the boys hear strange animal howls outside. Jay and another camper, Roger, decide to go to the forbidden bunk. Larry warns the boys not to go outside because of the dangerous creature named Sabre comes out at night, and this is spelled S-A-B-R-E, and I was like, Sabra, like in the um, office. <laughs> Thunder Mifflin and Sabre. Sabre. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of. The following day, Larry guides some boys in a game of scratch ball. During the game, Larry catches the ball. Billy sees an evil change in Larry's expression, and Larry throws the ball directly at Colin's back. Larry apologizes, saying the ball slipped. Colin is sent away so he can get help, and Mike goes with him because his arm is now swollen from the snake bite. Later that day, Billy and Jay write their parents' letters, which they have been instructed to do every day. 
Colin and Larry return, and Colin is still seeing double, but Uncle Al says the boy is fine. Later, the boys go to the mess hall. Jay spills grape juice on Billy's pants, so Billy heads back to the cabin in search of a change of clothes. Billy opens up one of the drawers in the cabin, but it's completely empty. Billy quickly realizes that he accidentally opened Mike's drawer. Billy runs back to the mess hall and asks Larry about Mike's whereabouts, but Larry refuses to give Billy a definitive answer. That night, Jay and Roger sneak off in hopes of exploring the forbidden bunk. After some time passes, Billy hears startling howls. Then he hears Jay calling for help. Billy and the other boys come out to meet Jay, and Jay says that he's being chased by the saber, and the creature got Roger. The other boys manage to calm Jay, and they manage to fall asleep. The next morning, the boys go to the mess hall, and they try to explain that Roger was attacked by a creature. And later that day, Uncle Al takes Jay to the forbidden bunk to investigate, and they find no trace of Roger. More shockingly, the boys are told that no boy named Roger was supposed to be at the camp. While the other boys are swimming, Billy is pulled away by Don and Dory. The girls sneaked away from the girls' cabin because of very because very strange things had been happening at the girls' camp. A lot of girls have been disappearing, but the counselors don't seem to care. Many of the girls have started calling Camp Nightmoon Camp Nightmare instead. The trio disbands, and Billy, wanting to call his parents, heads back to the payphones. He touches one and quickly realizes that the phones are fake. Billy runs back to his bunk and tells Colin and Jay about Don and Dory, and they head to lunch. Later that day, Colin and Jay go hiking with the counselor, and Billy finishes writing a letter to his parents. He goes to the camp office to drop off his letter, but no staff members are there. Billy finds a mailbag, and when he opens it, he finds that it's stuffed full of mail, including the letters that he previously wrote. Evidently, no mail is being sent, and Colin and Jay never return. When Billy goes back to his bunk, he finds new kids moving in Colin and Jay's spots. The next day, Billy tries to ask Larry about Jay and Colin, but Larry says that he doesn't know them. That night, Billy is awoken by Larry unexpectedly, and he guides him into the woods, and they find a group of boys and Uncle Al. Uncle Al provides the boys with tranquilizer rifles, and he says that two campers have escaped from the girls' camp, and the boys have to hunt them down. Billy, suspecting that the escapees were Don and Dory, refuses to hunt for the girls. When Uncle Al leaps at him, Billy fires his rifle. However, Uncle Al laughs and says that Billy passed. Don, Dory, Billy's former bunkmates, and Billy's parents emerge from the woods. Uncle Al explains that he has been the subject of a government test. Billy's parents, two scientists, will be going on an important trip, and they want to take Billy with them. Because of his age, Billy needed to pass certain tests in order to gain clearance to go. Because of his bravery and logic, Billy passed all the tests. Billy's parents will be venturing to a faraway planet to investigate the creatures that live there. This planet is called Earth. Bum, bum, bum. A mindfuck. That's where my love of plot just came from. Yeah, honestly, I never <laughs> read that one growing up, but oh, really? I wish I had because that sounds like formative. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Twilight um, Zone. This one was actually adapted to the television show, and it was called Welcome to Camp Nightmare. And it was the fifth and sixth episodes of season one, so it was a two-parter. So, if you never watched the Goosebumps TV show, it was pretty fucking good. It was. Like, I remember one time, I don't remember what we were traveling for, but we were in a hotel for the night. And I insisted that we watch the Goosebumps TV show. So, I ended up being so, like, my mom was so annoyed because I was so (laughs) scared that I had to get in her bed with her sandy was like get the fuck out of here yeah she was like you little pussy um anyway (laughs) 
Oh, it's funny this, that I mentioned the Twilight Zone because it yeah, that it's this book is heavily yeah. influenced by the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, and the television series entitled Third from the Sun. Cool. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite uh, Goosebumps books. I've read a lot, but like I said, it did scare me to the point where like I had to have my parents come pick me up from um, summer camp one time, and I never went back until it's I was like eighteen. Like a panic attack thinking. About oh yeah, Goosebumps book. I was like, are my parents even real? Yeah. <laughs> Am I actually not living? Am I being punked? <laughs> yeah. The one that I've chosen, again, is called Night of the Living Dummy. I do want to tell a quick little anecdote about how this affected my childhood because I have always been that child that, like, loves spooky things. <laughs> and so um, for my one of my classes, we had to do, like, a research project every year. Mm. And then we had to present a, like a display and like, you know, give a presentation at a fair. It was like, um, for the, like the gifted program at my school. Oh, yeah. So I was not in that. (laughs) You, you did it all year long. Like you worked on your research project and then you presented it one day at the end of the school year. So one year, um, the theme was hobbies and I chose ventriloquism. And so I did have my mom purchase a ventriloquist doll off of eBay. Um, And he probably was like most likely haunted. Um, He was very creepy. I would not keep him in my room. I actually forced my mom to keep him in her closet um, so that I did not have to have him in my room. And she obliged because she's a wonderful person. I loved being scared, but like I couldn't stomach the, the idea of that doll being in my bedroom at night. It reminds me of my brother, my brother and me when they do like the haunted doll watch and they like buy haunted dolls off of (laughs) eBay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I don't remember the eBay listing saying the doll was haunted or anything, but my mom probably would have bought the cheapest one. So like who fucking knows? It probably was. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, that's just a fun little, fun little story about me. Um, But the back of this book, it says he's no dummy. Lindy names the ventriloquist dummy she finds slappy. Slappy is kind of ugly, but he's a lot of fun. Lindy's having a great time learning to make Slappy move and talk. But Chris is jealous of all the attention her sister is getting. It's no fair. Why does Lindy have all the luck? Chris decides to get a dummy of her own. She'll show Lindy. Then weird things begin to happen. Nasty things. Evil things. No way a dummy can be causing all of the trouble. Or is there? So the plot of this one Lindy and Chris Powell are walking through their neighborhood. The two girls decide to inspect a house that is under construction. While searching through a garbage container near the house, Lindy finds a mysterious ventriloquist dummy and decides to call him Slappy. Lindy uses her dummy to gain popularity and Chris quickly becomes jealous. That's a tongue twister. Mm -hmm. Chris quickly becomes jealous. Since some of the neighborhood kids seem to love her ventriloquism, Lindy decides to start using Slappy for children's acts and birthday parties. Lindy and Chris's parents ask the two girls to share the dummy. However, when Chris tries to take Slappy from Lindy, Slappy hits Chris in the face. The next morning, Mr. Powell reveals that he has bought a ventriloquist dummy for Chris from a pawn shop. She decides to call him Mr. Wood. Mrs. Bergman, Chris's music teacher, asks her to perform a ventriloquist act for the school's upcoming spring concert. Lindy offers to help Chris improve her act, but Mr. Wood, currently being held by Lindy, begins hurling insults at Chris. Chris assumes that Lindy is the one speaking, but Lindy insists that she isn't controlling the dummy. 
That night, Lindy and Chris hear strange noises coming from inside their house. When they go to investigate, they find Mr. Woods strangling Slappy. When the sisters tell their mother what happened, Mrs. Powell doesn't believe them and tells them to go back to bed. Classic. Like, yeah. Really good mom. Kids, I, it is 4 a.m. I literally could not care less about your stupid dummies. She is like, mommy, she is run out of Xanax and I cannot deal with this right now. Go back to bed. So Chris continues to hear noises coming from the kitchen throughout the night. So she ventures into the kitchen and sees Mr. Wood lying near the refrigerator with food around him. Before Chris and Lindy can clean everything up, Mrs. Powell goes downstairs and sees the disarray. Both girls try to convince their mother that Mr. Wood is responsible for the mess, but Mrs. Powell threatens to take Slappy and Mr. Wood away if the girls keep insisting that Mr. Wood is alive. While the girls clean up the mess, Lindy reveals to Chris that she is the one who's been doing all of these horrible things. She was tired of Chris being a copycat, so she decided to pull this big prank on Chris. She mocks Chris for buying it. Chris is infuriated but doesn't tell their mom about this, as they've been banned from talking about the dummies. (laughs) Which is like, if I were a parent, I feel like I would be that lazy. I would be like, no, we're not allowed to talk about it. Shut the fuck up. I also feel like, though, like if I were a parent and like my kids like, hey, we literally fucking saw like our dummy move. I'd be like, cool, like, let's burn them. And I would like to think I would like to think I would be a good mother. But I don't know. I feel like Mrs. Powell's (laughs) dealing with a lot. I don't know if I would be. (laughs) So a couple days later, Chris finds a small card in Mr. Wood's pocket. And it reads like this little Latin-esque chant. I don't think it's real Latin. Uh, But I'm not going to read it just in case. Just in case. (laughs) After reading the card out loud, Chris thinks she sees Mr. Wood blink. So that night, the Powell's elderly neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Miller, come to visit them. Lindy and Chris's parents ask their daughters to perform a ventriloquist act for their neighbors, which I'm like, okay, if you're going to ban the dummies, let's not bring it up. But anyway, Lindy decides to go first and hers is a success. Before Chris can perform, Mr. Wood begins to insult the elderly couple, making fun of their appearances and their breath. (laughs) Because of this, Chris is grounded, but still allowed to attend the school spring concert the following day. At the concert, while Mrs. Bergman is adjusting the microphone for Chris, Mr. Wood begins to insult the teacher for being overweight. Mrs. Bergman demands an apology, but Mr. Wood responds by spewing a green substance on the teacher and the audience. Mrs. Bergman tells Chris that she will be suspended from school for this, possibly for life. <laughs> which I You're never going to graduate, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay. <laughs> so Mr. Powell announces he'll return Uh, the dummy to the pawn shop on Monday. Chris locks Mr. Wood in a closet and goes to sleep. Chris is awakened by the sound of footsteps. When Chris decides to investigate, she discovers that Mr. Wood is alive. Mr. Wood tells her that she and Lindy are now his slaves and that the magic words brought him to life. Chris tries to fight the dummy, but Mr. Wood hits her fiercely in the stomach. Chris crawls away from Mr. Wood and screams for help. Lindy hears her sister and goes downstairs to find out what's happened. While Chris tells her sister that the dummy is alive, Mr. Wood surprises the girls. Lindy manages to pin the dummy to the ground and keep him from fleeing. When the girls' parents arrive, Mr. Wood stops moving. Lindy and Chris try to explain what has happened, but their parents refuse to believe the girls. Mr. and Mrs. Powell begin to question Chris's mental well-being, suggesting (laughs) that they should take her to a doctor. As soon as the parents leave, Mr. Wood comes back to life, insisting that Lindy and Chris are his slaves. 
The girls try to decapitate the dummy, but they are unable to harm him. Next, the girls trap Mr. Wood in a suitcase and bury him in the backyard. Since they are exhausted, Lindy and Chris go to sleep. When the girls wake up the next morning, they discover that Mr. Wood has freed himself and is waiting for them. Lindy and Chris seek help, but their parents have gone out. To show how serious he is, Mr. Wood begins to choke Barky, the family dog. I draw the fucking line. I'm a child abuse, but I draw the line at animal abuse. Yeah, you can punch that little girl in the stomach all you want, but you leave that poor dog alone. In an attempt to separate the two, the girls drag Mr. Wood and Barky outside. When Mr. Wood releases Barky, the girls chase the dummy into the path of a nearby steamroller being used for construction at the house next door. Mr. Wood dodges the first steamroller and tells them that both will be his slaves forever. He doesn't notice the second steamroller, however, and it crushes Mr. Wood. A mysterious green mist rises from the smashed dummy's body. The alarmed driver of the steamroller rushes out thinking it was a kid he ran over. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> oh, the shit. Kids, <laughs> the kids him it was nothing more than a dummy. Lindy, Chris, and Barky return home. When the girls get to their room, they find Slappy waiting for them. And Slappy asks if the other dummy is gone. So this one fucking haunted my nightmares. They made like definitely this one got to the kiddos, you know, like it was upsetting. (laughs) It was a hit. It was a hit. But despite the popularity of the book, it was never adapted into an episode for the TV series, which is like probably because it had multiple parts. Probably. But I feel like you could have just, like, picked the first one and used that episode. I wonder how many seasons there was of Goosebumps. I don't know. While you're looking for that, there were several um, sequels to this book about Slappy, which were Night of the Living Dummy 2 and 3 and Bride of the Living Dummy. So it was kind of a spoof of Chucky and, like, you know, the Bride of Chucky. Um, There were actually four seasons. But in the late 1990s, Scholastic and Parachute Press engaged in a lengthy legal dispute over the marketing rights. And as a result of the legal battle and declining sales, all series in the Goosebumps franchise were canceled and R.L. Stein left Scholastic over it. Damn. That's intense. But four seasons and you couldn't fit Night of the Living Dummy in there. I know. Like, it's such a good one. Such a classic. I wonder if, like, they definitely were planning on doing it, but then things just kind of got ended too soon. Anyway, those are our favorite Goosebumps Dude, there were literally 74 episodes total. Season one, there was 19 episodes, and it first aired in 1995. So they actually stopped making this show in 1998. So it's like, I don't know how we ended up watching that. I think it just kind of was popular enough that it stayed on TV. Because we are young bloods. Um, But yeah, season one had 19 episodes. Season two had 25. um, Season three had 22. But season four only had eight. Now this says that Slappy was in the um, Goosebumps film. There's also Slappy that says as he appeared in the TV series. Yeah, Night of the Living Dummy. So Welcome to Camp Nightmare was episode five and six. Night of the Living Dummy was episode 10. Oh, okay. So this wiki page just kind of is incorrect. Yeah, gotten it wrong. Okay, because I, yeah, I can straight up see an image here of Slappy in the TV series. And then also there's Slappy. I thought, I I thought that had been, I like vaguely remember watching that. I was like, there's just no way because this one is just so popular. Night of the Living Dummy 2 was episode 24 and 25. So they covered all of them. 
And then in the Goosebumps film, Slappy is like in that as well. So yeah, thank God because I was like, that's so, a missed opportunity. They made a Goosebumps movie in 2015, and then another one in 2018. He's definitely in the 2018 one. I don't know about 2015. It didn't do very well. It only grossed about 158 million. Wow! Hey, it's actually on Netflix, so. I might have to watch that then, especially, you know, for the spooky season. Uh, Did you know Jack Black plays Slappy in the 2015 (laughs) movie? No, but now I want to watch it real bad. Did you know Dylan Minetti from The Wallows and also from 13 Reasons Why was like one of the main characters? Dylan Minetti, which one is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do recognize him. He's um, Clay. He has been in Scream. Yes, he was in Scream, which I the did open see house. 2022 one. The open house is the other one I've seen. Um, he was also one of the brothers in Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Never seen that one. The 2022 Scream is so bad, though. Like, did you watch that? Is it? No, I haven't. Um, I do fuck with the Scream movies, though. Yeah, well. The but one... only the Matthew Lillard one. Oh, Yeah. Now, this one, it was just real bad. I don't even recommend that you watch it for the sake of watching it. Really? Yeah. But, um, yeah, that wraps up the mini-sode for Goosebumps, and that also ends Spooky Season. I'm excited yeah. to do next year, as we'll have to come up with some more yes. scary stories. Oh, don't worry. We'll come up with them, because they're our faves. But, yeah, um, join us next week as we start discussing the Maid series, um, so the first book is called The Sweetest Oblivion by Danielle Laurie. And this is not even be book series. Begin to tell you how excited I am to cover these books. They are so good. We love these books personally. Um, I know like they might not be for everyone. They're um, mafia romances. Which we fun. are absolute just sluts for mafia romance. <laughs> I am, I am, yes. And um, we're also gonna be doing some mini-sodes about the mafia so join us as we research and tell you about the mafia <laughs> tell you our <laughs> opinions and thoughts about our the mafia these may not be accurate history. i don't know <laughs> oh yeah and our search history is gonna get flagged for real for real but um it's a risk i'm willing to take yeah we're very passionate about this <laughs> yes and we need to educate the people the people being you you all you lovely people and also ourselves <laughs> and also ourselves <laughs> yes i need to be educated first and then i'll tell you what i learned um yes. but yeah join us then and then we will be um doing those for a few weeks in a row because there's three books total so start reading the sweetest oblivion by danielle lori and as always Let's get lit.